This is the next best thing. Don't go. Ah, hello there. It's Miss Cleo. You're listening to the next best thing on the radio of Brooklyn. No, it isn't. That was a lie. It's still me, Jonathan B. Lerner. Now, listen, if you grew up in the 90s or if you were alive in the 90s, you know who that was supposed to be. Miss Cleo, a psychic friends network reader who will go on the hotline and you call her and she tell you bullshit. That's what we're going to talk about for the next hour or so. Psychics. Psychics or psychos? You be the judge. Here's the thing. Psychics. Well, I'm really not one who poo-poos on psychics innately. Truly. I actually have gone to see psychics before. Paid to go and see psychics before. Not with the hope to debunk them. That was never my intention whatsoever. I paid to go see psychics for various reasons, one of which was uh, to kind of see what they saw on my life's path, if I was on the correct path, if the future that I had in my mind was in the cards whatsoever. And I'm not being, I'm not being funny here. I'm not trying to make fun of it. That's why I went there, truly. In fact, I keep a journal, and I mean, not regularly, I'm not as... I mean, I'm no David Sedaris, let me put it that way, but I do write in a journal as often as I feel like it, and so I happen to write a little bit about my re- my most recent experience and visit with the psychic, and this is 100% real. I'm reading, you fr- I'm reading to you from my journal something I cannot believe I'm doing, something I actually, you know, yeah, I can't believe I'm doing this. I actually write in the first page of every journal of mine, if you read this and you are not me, You better hope I'm dead, but even if I am, oh, I will haunt you. Scary, right? Hopefully. Anyway, here we go. I went to see a psychic two days ago. How random. I kind of feel like it may have been a waste of $100. When speaking about my personality and or past experiences, she she tended to be quite vague in general. Other times, she was just flat out wrong. I did, however... Really like what she had to say about my future. Here's what I remember. One, I travel a lot, but my permanent home is on a beach somewhere. I have a personal chef. I have a phenomenal house. These are her words, not mine. I have a bodyguard, possibly more than one. I drive a very nice, expensive car, perhaps kind of Volvo-like. Again, Her words, not mine. Yes, you have the most expensive, beautiful car ever. It it might be a Volvo. (laughs) Uh, Next, I do a lot of collaborative work with other people. Broadway. I do quite a bit of writing. For one reason or another, she was seeing something relating to the musical Annie Get Your Gun. I get, quote, discovered in approximately two years. Big fame and financial success come in approximately four years. I meet someone in approximately three years whom I develop a very close, special relationship with. They have dark features and are extremely attractive, very sexy, her words. And the last thing I have written here, I do eventually end up teaching. Okay, so... Funny, I mean, interesting stuff, right? Now, I think a telling thing that I wrote here is I think this might have been a waste of my money. When talking about my personality and past, she was vague in general, also sometimes just wrong. But I did like what she had to say about my future. Well, younger me, if you didn't think she had any accuracy when she was talking about now or your past... You should, uh, that should have been a little telling as to how accurate she would be about your future. Because let me tell you something, folks. I get discovered in two years. Big fame and financial success come in four years. I wrote this on June 23rd, 2009. That is exactly seven years and 11 months ago. It will be eight years ago next month. So now this is interesting for two reasons. One, you know, for as general and kind of vague as she had been regarding my past and in my current situation, 
She got very specific about my future. I wonder why that might have been. Probably because she knew that in two to four years, I wouldn't be around her. I wouldn't be in her freaking office. But seriously, if you're going to be a psychic, you probably shouldn't say you're going to be famous and financially really well off with bodyguards and a personal chef married to someone so sexy uh, in two to four years. So, again, I you know, $100 is not a whole lot compared to how much some psychics and mediums and clairvoyants charge, but... I was a college kid, it, you know, it was, it wasn't nothing. I was a college kid in Bloomington, Indiana. So that was one of my psychic experiences. And I say this again, because I can't emphasize it enough. I did not spend $100 that day to go and prove a point or to be given a whole crock of bullshit or to expose this psychic woman. No, I went there because I was, I don't I wanted to get some insight and see if she could give me any any tips or any, you know, if she could see what my future held. Well, clearly, she saw what I would have loved. I love to, you know, I think of myself as totally famous right here on Radio Free Brooklyn, but I don't quite think the huge financial success she saw has hit quite yet, okay? I don't have any bodyguards, personal chefs. I'm still single, so hey, single and ready to mingle here, hit me up. No, but that's just a good example of the type of things you're told. That was a that was a strategy. It was a strategy of hers to kind of be vague. She was totally wrong. She, you know, she said, I remember, you know, that's why I keep a journal is because when you read that stuff, it does, it takes you back and you remember what you were thinking when you wrote it. And she was totally wrong and totally vague and stupid about certain things. But then when she got to my future and started saying all those things that I was dying to hear, well, then, yeah, you perk up and you start thinking, well, maybe she's right. I mean, I hope she's right. That was a strategy. She knew I was going to be moving away soon. I was a college student. I was not going to be staying in Indiana. So she could have told me anything. She could have said, in four or five years, you're going to become Jesus. That's right. You will be the next Jesus. And I'd be like, dear Jesus, kill me then. Just kidding. But my point is she could have said anything and I would have, you know, at least been open to it. Well, that was a small psychic I mean, a small-time psychic in a little college town in Indiana. As we all know, there are much bigger time, more experienced, and more financially well-off psychics than that. John Edward, he had that show crossing over with John Edward. There are a lot of them. Back in, I think, the 70s and 80s or so, there was a guy named Yuri Geller. He was a huge, like, worldwide, global sensation because of what he could do with his supernatural powers. He could bend spoons just by looking and touching them. He was preaching to people that you just, you see and you tell yourself, it's going to, going to rain. It's going to, I want rain. It's going to, it's going to rain. It's raining. It's going to rain and it's going to rain. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like someone shooting with a tranquilizer gun. But he was hugely popular, and people really thought he was magic. Well, until he ran into a little bit of a speed bump. The subject was Uri Geller, a young Israeli who claimed to have supernatural powers. His remarkable affinity for metal and his psychic abilities are well documented all over the world. In the early 1970s, Geller became a superstar, the most famous psychic in the world. And then, of course, there was Mr. Geller's appearance on The Tonight Show. I got a call after they booked him to appear. Would you welcome, please, Uri Geller. Johnny had been a magician himself and was skeptical. I was asked to help prevent any trickery. Nice to see you. Thanks. We, uh, we this, have only met... This scares me. This, this scares you? Well, this yeah. is just, we just got some things together here. And I told I them said, to provide their own props and not to let Geller or his people anywhere uh, near them. Also, one of our staff members uh, did some drawings which have been sealed in an envelope. Uh, and I'd like you to take your own pace when you feel like you want to try anything. Right. Do you want to try that particular experiment first? When I'll feel for it. When okay. you hmm? Sure. 
We'll start eliminating the ones that do not have the water. All right, without touching them. He is really suspicious, you know. <laughs> I'm having a hard time with you. Okay, I don't mean to be, all right? I really no, don't. Just, just keep looking. Okay, let me rest a little, all right? All right. You know, I'm surprised because before this program, your producer came and he read me at least 40 questions you're going to ask me. Well, I can ask you all kinds of questions if you'd like, if you'd like me to ask you no, questions. To, I have to have time. And, uh, um... All right. At that point, literally, the camera fades to we'll be right back. Now, this guy, you have to you have to know this. I mean, none of us, I wouldn't have known this if I hadn't saw this in a documentary. But this guy was one of those, he was on TV all the time with huge crowds being like, just look at it. He was full of energy and really inspiring and motivating and totally charismatic. Well, here he is in a situation that is suddenly, uh-oh, totally terrifying and uncomfortable. And just listen... Listen to him. He just kind of like trailed off there. What what you're not seeing is that Johnny's people had gathered all of his props, all the things that they had seen this guy do on stage and with these huge groups of like, you know, moving spoons and bending spoons and like filling glasses with water without touching them. All this, So they had all these props, these props that they had seen him use, but they provided them. And as the guy narrator said, they didn't let him see or touch them beforehand. Oh, shit. Uh-oh. Suddenly, he wasn't feeling strong. Um, I need time. Here's how that ended. Dark, we are back. Your Uri was telling me you, you, you don't feel, what, strong tonight? I don't Is feel that... strong. It's not all tonight. Right now, I'm, feel, I'm feeling being pressed, and then I can't... Well, no, I'm not trying to press you. I really not. Uh, you no, know, you're only I'm... telling me, well, will you try that or that? Well, I thought that was the idea of, uh, of, uh, no, I'm not, I'm not trying to put you down. Right. Now, what he was saying is, no, you're just telling me to try this and this and this. And as Johnny very rightly points out, well, these are the things we've seen you do hundreds of times. What are you talking about? But he couldn't do it that night and he blamed it on being pressed and, you know, you're, you're very suspicious and I'm not feeling strong. That's another thing that psychics do. I don't know if you've ever if you've ever seen a psychic or if you've ever even just kind of observed someone having a psychic reading or someone doing a you know a supposed psychic doing cold readings like John Edward does where he has a whole audience there and he kind of summons people out of the audience plucks them because he's getting a he's getting, you know, energy from this person who is her name's Barbara and she has a daughter Jackie. Jackie, are you here? Oh, there's Jackie. Jackie, stand up. And then they do the readings for Jackie. Well, if something goes wrong, if he says to Jackie, well, yes, your mother, well, she's been dead now for 16 years and she died in an explosion. And Jackie's like, what? My mom died three days ago because someone shot her. Well, suddenly it becomes the the Jackie's fault. Well, said, oh, well, you're, well, you're not a, you know, you're, you're very negative energy and it's cloudy. It's clouding. I can't. I can't do this. I can't. They blame the person. It's like it's kind of like that whole notion of if you don't believe in ghosts, well, you just can't see them. I've actually heard people who call themselves psychics have a horribly bomb. I mean, like really, just kind of bomb with somebody, and when they can tell that the person's kind of like obviously totally given up on any faith that this could be legit. Well, then they'll say, you know what, you're very closed off and, and I can't read your energies like this because, you know, if, if you're going to not be open to it, well, then it's not possible. Yeah, that's a bunch of horse shit. I mean, I've heard it a thousand times when it comes to seeing ghosts. I haven't seen any because you didn't believe. Uh, you know, the psychic reading didn't turn out right because it was my energy. Well, that's like saying, you know what, I'm really actually the best basketball player on the face of the earth. I taught Michael Jordan everything he knows, and I'm ten times better than he ever could hope to have been. But I can only play like that when nobody's watching. Okay, so I'm gonna, I'll am gonna, i go be the best basketball player in the world, but you have to keep your eyes closed, or I just can't do it. And, um, well, it's, yeah, you opened your eyes. That's why I was playing horribly. What the hell are you talking about? And that's exactly what I say to those, those claims. 
I can't, I can't do the accurate reading because you're closed off or you're pressing me. Your energy is bad. My energy is bad. You're calling yourself a psychic. Screw my energy. This is not about me. This is about you. And that's, that's my problem. Now, the voice you heard narrating that little spiel about um, Uri Geller was his name, the guy who totally was exposed on The Tonight Show, his name is James Randi. He is a magician. He calls himself a conjurer because he likes that term because he says that a magician implies I do magic. Well, I'm a conjurer. I'm someone who pretends to be a musician. Basically, he's trying to make it clear that I know what I do is fake, and I, I don't care if you know that. I assume you know that. When people come and see a great magic show, they think they are seeing a great illusionist, someone who is, has a great sleight of hand. They aren't thinking they're seeing someone with actual powers who's actually making things disappear and, and reappear and cut in half. Well, he kind of compares that to psychics, and it's interesting. It's interesting. Here's his take. If someone were to appear on this stage in front of him and actually claim to be an ancient prince of Denmark named Hamlet, you would be insulted, and rightly so. Why would a man assume that you would believe something bizarre like this? But there exists out there a very large population of people who will tell you that they have psychic magical powers, that they can predict the future, that they can make contact with, with the deceased. They claim to be psychics or sensitives, whatever they claim. But the one thing that has made a big comeback just recently is this business of speaking with the dead. Now, to my innocent mind, dead implies incapable of communicating. But these people, they tend to tell you that not only can they communicate with the dead, hi there, but they can hear the dead as well, and they can relay this information back to the living. Now, you, this is not coming as news to anyone. You've seen John Edward crossing over with John Edward. You've seen, I guess there's this new Hollywood, what's it, is it Hollywood uh, medium or whatever, a kid in Long Island, the Long Island psychic or whatever. You've seen them all on TV. Why are they on TV? Well, if they're on TV, they must be the best of the best, because I can guarantee you, folks, there are thousands of these people all over the country. Hey, I went and saw one in June of 2009. I read you my journal entry about it. They're everywhere. But I guess the ones on TV, they must be the real deal, right? Well, you would hope so. This subculture of people use exactly the same gimmicks that we magicians do, exactly the same, the same uh, physical methods, the same psychological methods. And they effectively and profoundly deceive millions of people around the earth to their detriment. They deceive these people, cost them a lot of money, cost them a lot of emotional anguish. Now, what is he talking about? I will say right off the bat that James Randi and I differ here. I don't necessarily, like he has spent light, I mean, that documentary from which I took the clip about Uri Geller on The Tonight Show that was made years ago. I mean, he has spent his life's work on this subject. Besides being a magician and a performer, he has really gone into this industry and kind of exposed it, and he really cares about it. I, I agree with pretty much all of his findings. I just am not as vehement. I don't necessarily think it's as horrible as he does, if it is all in good fun. If it's all in good fun. And what I mean by that is when I, for example... When I was a senior in high school and we had the after prom party, we had it at this huge bowling alley and it was dark with these laser lights and there was ice skating and bowling, obviously, and they had free Chipotle and they had massage chairs and massage people. And they also had tarot card readers and palm readers. It was just a party game. It was like a part of a, you know, a fun fair. It was just kind of a party trick. I don't think anyone, myself included, went to the card reader or palm reader that night thinking, oh my God, they're going to tell me my life's purpose. No, it was just all in good fun and we knew that. And if that's the case, whatever. No big, you know, it's not a big deal, whatever. But mo I, most of these psychic people who are into astrology or tarot card reading or palm reading or all that stuff, well, they don't think of it as a party trick. They are making a lot of money from it and they look at it as a career. And um, here's a situation Here's a typical encounter 
uh, someone might have with a psychic, someone who has made an appointment with a psychic. I'm going to ask you to call up the ghost of my grandmother because when she died, she had the family will and she secreted it someplace. We don't know where it is. So we ask Granny, where is the will, Granny? What does Granny say? She says, I'm in heaven. It's wonderful. I'm here with all my old friends, my deceased friends and my family and all the puppy dogs and the, the kittens that I used to have when I was a little girl. And I love you and I'll always be with you. Goodbye. And she didn't answer the damn question. Where is the will? Now, she could easily have said, oh, it's in the library on the second shelf behind the encyclopedia, but she doesn't say that. No, she doesn't. She doesn't bring any useful information to us. We paid a lot of money for that information, but we didn't get it. Well, that's interesting. Huh. Is that true? Suppose I ask them to contact the spirit of my deceased father-in-law, as an example. Why do they insist on saying, remember they speak into his ear, why do they say, my name starts with J or M. Is this a, a hunting game, a, a hunting and fishing? What is it? Is it 20 questions? No, it's more like 120 questions, but it is a cruel, vicious game that these people play, and they take advantage of the innocent, the naive, the grieving, the needy people out there. Now, all right, so here's my big reveal, okay? I said, before delving into this subject, I said that I had, in fact, gone to see psychics before. Psychics. I had experiences with various psychics, not just this one. And I can tell you what he just said and what he has said so far is absolutely true. The grieving. People who are grieving, who have just lost someone, especially if they've just lost someone suddenly, well, they are desperate for hope and comfort. And if they, if they, if there's any chance that they can find someone who might be able to communicate with the person that they just lost, you can bet your ass they're going to take it. They're going to pay the money. They're going to drive the distance or whatever. The grieving are prime targets for these people. And, you know, common question is one I just asked. You know, what's the big deal? Isn't this all in good fun? Well, now, folks often ask us at the James Randi Educational Foundation, they call me and they say, why are you so concerned about this, Mr. Randi? Isn't that just a lot of fun? No, it is not fun. It is a cruel farce. Now, it may bring a certain amount of comfort, but that comfort lasts only about 20 minutes or so, and then the people look in the mirror and they say, I just paid a lot of money for that reading, and what did she say to me? I love you. They always say that. They don't get any information. They don't get any value for what they spend. Now, Sylvia Brown is the big operator. We call her the Talons. All right. So let me tell you why this all hits home with me, okay? As I've mentioned on the show before, I lost my father when I was 12 years old. It was very sudden. It was a heart attack. And it was really one of those here, one moment, gone the next. Uh, we were a very close family. Uh, my dad was a very well-respected, esteemed doctor. So, you know, a sudden medical catastrophe was never something that was really on our, or obviously not his radar. And so it was, it was, it was close family. He was the heart of our family. It was devastating. It truly devastating. And I can tell you, my mom is so, you know, we never, we were never religious. We were never into, you know, any of that stuff. I mean, culturally Jewish, we'd go to my grandma's for seders and all that stuff. We also celebrate Christmas because we have a lot of Christians in the family. But we were very secular. We were just kind of cultural Jews, if you want to say that, if at all. We were not religious. But again, when our dad suddenly was here today and gone tomorrow, we were desperate. We were absolutely heartbroken. And my mom was as well. And suddenly I started finding books around our house. Are you like, hone your psychic abilities, the psychics within, and reaching out and making contact. Suddenly there was a DVD um, on our coffee table called Life After Life with Dr. Raymond Moody. And it was all about people's near-death experiences and stuff like that. Well, she also was put in contact with a psychic, a woman named Alima. Alima was a big, homely woman who had something wrong with her throat because it looked like there was a football in there about ready to pop out. But Alima was said to be a psychic 
a clairvoyant, someone able to communicate with those who have crossed over. And my mom went in for a reading first, and she probably, I have no idea how much she paid for it, but I guarantee you it was more than what I paid for that psychic reading in 2009. It was probably multiple hundreds of dollars. And my mom, who was so vulnerable at that point, my, my mom is as pragmatic and as kind of down-to-earth and real as anyone I've ever known. She takes no, she you knows no bullshit. But when you lose something, I mean, when you're just, you're so out of sorts like that, you will take, you will look anywhere for comfort and, and, and comfort to ease your pain. So she had a session with this woman, found it comforting and legitimate enough that sent, that she scheduled a reading for all uh, me and all of my siblings. So it was a group reading. I'm the youngest of five kids. So one day, keep in mind, I was 12 years old. We all come together in our living room and there's a Lima and she talks to us and she basically goes through each one of us. Now, <laughs> my oldest sister, her name is Elizabeth. And I watched Alima do this reading with Elizabeth. And it was just like, let's see, Bubba, we call her Bubba. She is seven years older than me. So if I was 12, she was about 19 at the time. And Alima said, you were his first girl and you scared him. He was scared from you. He didn't know how to handle you. First girl. And Bubba was not buying the bullshit. You could see it on her face. She was sitting there, legs crossed, thinking, okay, whatever. You scared him. Does that sound right? I guess. Whatever. Sure. Then, you know, she went around. She got to me, and I threw her a real softball. See, I was 12, and I was I missed my dad a lot. And here's the thing, and I'll just, this is being very awfully personal, but whatever. Hey, it's just you and me, and we're best friends. So, uh, I, being the youngest of five kids, I watched all my siblings kind of find their talents and find their passions, be really good at this or that or that or this. My brother played baseball. My sisters, my two oldest sisters played tennis together. They like one state and tennis doubles. My uh, next sister, she was like a professional ballerina pretty much. And I was, I was just alive. I mean, I really didn't find what I wanted to do and what I loved doing until really about the age of 12, sadly. And so I was, I felt like I had let him down a little bit in a weird, awfully heartbreaking way. And so I asked this psychic, Alima, did I make him proud? Now that is the easiest. She must have been jumping for joy when I asked that because of psychics, come on, great question for a psychic because they could be, what are they going to say? No, actually, he's telling me that well, you were a bit of a letdown, and um, you need to lose some weight. You'll never hear a psychic say that, ever. So, of course, she said, oh, yes, you're one of his heroes, you know, blah, blah, blah. I got, I started to cry, whatever. That was the first reading. Now, there was also another reading. Keep in mind that, you know, looking back on this, we never would have done this. I mean, like, we're not that type of, I don't know, at least my mom never would have done this. We're not that type of family. See, I... I clarified that because, again, I am not cut off to the possibilities of psychics and being able to do all this stuff. I want this stuff to be true. That's the thing. And that's the real difference. When I hear people say, well, you're too, you're asking these questions, you're too cut off. That is, I can tell you that's horseshit because, on the contrary, I would love for this stuff to be real. I want to find a psychic that impresses me and blows me away and is like, but I haven't found one yet. And that wasn't my only reading with Alima. I don't know how or why, but my mom, not how, but I don't know why she was willing to do this. But after the group session, maybe because I revealed that I wasn't quite satisfied with it, she scheduled a private one-on-one reading with me and Alima. Now, for the softball I threw her with all my siblings around, I had some real questions this time, this next time, when it was just me and her. And they weren't, they were not designed to be gotcha questions. They were not designed to be like, test her. Because that's not what you do when, again, when you lose someone like that and you're just desperate for some kind of guidance and comfort, you're not trying to expose people as frauds. You are asking questions that you hope to God and want them to answer. 
Well, just like James Randi pointed out when she, he mentioned asking Grandma where the will was, I asked a very pragmatic question. You see, when my dad died, we were AOL users. Do you remember America Online? Welcome. You've got mail. Goodbye. Well, we were American Online users, and we had a family account, and our dad had the master account. He had So he said everyone's passwords, screen names, all that stuff, and he died. And suddenly we couldn't change anything. We couldn't do anything with the Internet accounts because we didn't know his password. So as a 12-year-old, totally earnestly, I said, well, what's the password? We need to know the password. And we did. And suddenly she wasn't so quick to answer. She said some horse shit about like, well, um, I see uh, there's like a silver and the silver box and the horse. So maybe you think of something like that. What? I asked what the password was. Tell me the password. See, that's the thing. Psychic. Are you, you can't call yourself a psychic if when I ask you that question and you're claiming to be contacting my father who has died, you're going to give me some vague crap about back silver horse in the tree. She also told me that when, whenever I'm riding my bicycle or walking along a street and, and I notice... I notice the the street light, the street light flickers or the street light turns off. When I pass from underneath, well, that means my father's with me. What, folks? Street lights flicker. Okay, you are guaranteed to be walking past a street light at some point and see it flicker. That is as generic as can be. She knew that would happen to me at number numerous times in my life. She said that. I mean, what? God. I mean, look. I can't believe that I. I, yeah, I mean, this is this is textbook stuff, okay? And so I've seen it firsthand. Now, luckily, I think my mom kind of caught on after that because we didn't continue to go to her. I mean, I, I'm trying to think of specific questions, other specific questions I asked. I know I asked about the AOL password and got a total non-answer. And I, as a 12-year-old, again, these weren't designed to be exposing or hard questions. I figured she would know them. I figured she could give me the answers. She couldn't. She couldn't. Now, this is a process that is called cold reading. There's one fellow out there, Van Prague is his name, James Van Prague. He's one of the big practitioners of this sort of thing. John Edward, Sylvia Brown, and uh, Rosemary Altia, they are other operators. There are hundreds of them all over the world. But in this country, James Van Prague is very big. And what does he do? He likes to tell you how the deceased got deceased, the people he's talking to through his ear, you see. So what he says is very often, it's like this, he says, he tells me, he tells me before he passed <laughs> that he had trouble breathing. Folks, that's what dying is all about. <laughs> you stop breathing and then you're dead. It's that simple. And that's the kind of information they're gonna bring back to you? I don't think so. Now these people will make guesses. They'll say things like, why am I getting electricity? He's saying to me, electricity. Is he, was he an electrician? No. Did he ever have an electric razor? No. It was a game of hunting questions like this. This is what they go through. Correct. 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 Now, he's mentioned a woman twice, Sylvia Brown. Sylvia Brown, kind of like John Edwards, she was on TV all the time. I mean, she was like considered the world's best psychic. Particularly, she would be on Montel Williams. Well... Let me tell you, James Randi was not a fan of Sylvia Brown. Sylvia Brown is the big operator in this field at this very moment. Now, Sylvia Brown, just to show you, she actually gets $700 for a 20-minute reading over the telephone. She doesn't even go there in person. And you have to wait up to two years because she's booked ahead that amount of time. You pay by credit card or whatever, and then she will call you sometime in the next two years. You can tell it's her. Hello, this is Sylvia Brown. That's her. You can tell right away. Now, I have to say, this this new phenomenon of psychics, psychic readings over the phone, and nowadays I've seen advertisements for psychic readings on live chats over the internet. So like a chat room. Okay, I find that particularly interesting because uh, 
you remember what I was saying about their excuses as to your energy and how they need to, you know, read your energy and that gives them kind of more clarity and and it's all about these energy, this energy stuff. How the hell are they reading people's energies and making connections for specific people through the internet in a chat room? That is the biggest hunk of shit I've ever heard in my life. I can't believe it's a real, I can't believe anyone would fall for that load of bullshit. Okay. So, but Sylvia Brown, so she did over the phone, apparently. Sylvia Brown is a very interesting case because as you'll recall, I said that there are thousands of these people all over the world, certainly in our country. But if you see the ones on television a lot, John Edwards, this Hollywood medium, the Long Island psychic, whatever. Well, they must be the real deal or at least the best of the best. I don't know if any of them are legitimate, but these people are probably the closest thing, right? Well, Sylvia Brown, man, man, she was on TV a lot, and she certainly proved me wrong on that theory. Yes, so here's the thing. Sylvia Brown was on Monta Williams all the time, and she turned it in. She turned these people's grief and whatnot into some kind of stupid game. Oh, boy. Here's just two examples. And this first one, I have to tell you, well, just listen, and I'll probably interject. Please welcome Michael to the show. Michael. Michael and his wife, Kathy. You had a question for Sylvia about your daughter, Michelle? My daughter, Michelle, was 17 years old. Um, she'll be gone five years, the 21st of this year. Uh, Sylvia, I don't know how she died. Please, if you can, how did she die? She was shot. Okay. Now, I have to tell you, and this is the truth, obviously. I don't know why. I have to tell you, and this is the lie. When I was putting this show, when I was gathering materials for this show, and I, wa- I found this, it's, it's a video. And you can't see this, so it'll sound terrible. But when I watched this video, I... uh, Please, Sylvia, if you could, how did she die? She was shot. The faces these people make when she says immediately, she was shot. Bam. You see their eyes kind of drop and their faces turn and they look at each other like, what? It is... I'm sorry. I know it's a terrible thing to say and it's a terrible subject to say this about, but it was hilarious it was hilarious and they they were like you could just you could their faces their expressions were screaming like she was she was legitimately sad and hoping for some guidance here and sylvia brown who is on tv all the time supposedly doing these readings doing hundreds and thousands of readings like this hello psychic or scam or scammer con artist you know that Here's what the mistake Sylvia Brown made, okay? She heard, my daughter died a year or so ago. Sylvia, I don't know how she died. Please, if you could, how did she die? Well, when Sylvia heard that, she immediately assumed, oh, you know, she she must have run off or she must have been on a trip or something. So she could have said anything. She could have said anything. She drowned. She was shot. Sylvia didn't take a second, not a millisecond, to listen a little bit, maybe finds out some context so that she could then form her story to make a little bit of sense. She said, Sylvia, how did she die? She was shot. Big mistake. How did she die? She was shot. Circumstances around her death? She just collapsed in her room. I don't know, but something looks like it hit the chest. Mm-hmm. Right. Something looks like it hit the chest. Oops. Because it looks no- like a, a combustion. They found nothing the on the orch- autopsy. I don't care, nothing. but it looks like something hit her in the chest. I don't care. Let me tell you something, Sylvia. If there's one thing we know, it's that she wasn't shot. <laughs> I mean, oh my God. Idiot. They did an autopsy, they did drug, you know, they do whatever Everything. they do. It's just she was a healthy child and uh, she was in her. just fell out in her just room. Just went out. Like a yeah. golf club's fall or whatever. I know, just just went down. Yeah. 
I don't know, but there was something that hit her in the chest. Yeah, we can tell you don't know, Sylvia. I mean, by the way, that was Montel Williams who said circumstances around her death. That's a question that uh, Sylvia might have asked or at least waited to maybe hear a context clue. Had Sylvia heard she just collapsed in her room. I guarantee you she never in a million years would have said she was shot. Had she heard that she had had an autopsy and been sh- been at home when she just collapsed with her parents, well, I don't think she would have said she was shot and think to herself, that's probably right, right? Didn't Maybe she was shot and you just didn't hear or see it. Maybe you shot her and the, the autopsy just didn't show it. Oh, shit. Uh, Montel, just move on. Did she play sports? Yes. Oh, right. Could she? Have- this is where Montel steps in and tries to save her ass, not successfully. Could she have? There have been in this last year alone, there have been two young men who have come home from baseball practice, yeah, yeah. having been struck in the chest earlier and, and died, and there was no bruising. On that's that. right. Yeah. So, or, or, no, was she yep. any place before this that she was could have been hit? Possibly, but I, I'm not. Because it seems like it was almost like a shot. Okay. If you can't tell, these people went from totally earnest and into this and dying for some guidance to by now. The second she said she was shot, they just were like, screw this. You're full of shit. And she is. Here's another example. Another example. I lost my boyfriend tragically. Um... A few years ago, they never found him. And I've had such a hard time since, every day. The reason why you didn't find him is because he's in water. And find him in water, it's like the girl that's missing in Aruba. You can't find somebody. Well, it was September 11th. There was no, he was a fireman. Oops. Fireman, but there was no. Well, no, see, I keep seeing him in water. Yeah, well, you're wrong, Sylvia. You idiot. So I guess I was wrong, too. I mean, obviously, the people on television aren't that great. Silence. Awkward. Is there any way he could have drowned in water? Absolutely. Absolutely not. found a piece of him. So absolutely not. He was a fireman in 9-11. He went into the World Trade Center. Yeah, he probably drowned. In the fire that was the building, you idiot. Nothing. From 9-11. Because he, he says he couldn't breathe and he was filled with water. He couldn't breathe. Oh, I think that's what James Randi said they say. Water. Hmm. Yeah. Well, if they were trying to put the fire out, Montel. They could have, you know, I, yeah. Yeah, that must have been it. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, people like, oh God, I, I, I'm not being disingenuous when I say I want to believe in, in this stuff. I want to believe in ghosts. I just don't know that I've ever seen one. I don't think I've ever, you know, I want to believe in this ability for people to see the future and talk to the dead. But this is hardly convincing. I mean, come on. And, there are a lot of stories like this, folks. But first, catching out a slippery psychic. For the past year, we've been investigating Karina, who also goes by the name Alana. As you'll see, her so-called predictions come at a hefty price. In one case, more than $50,000. Some of them give you 10, 20, 30, 40,000 dollars. Hey, what have you done with no this way, yeah, information? Right. Karina the clairvoyant in full rip-off mode. And there's no question whatsoever in your mind that this is the same woman. Oh, exactly the same. It is the same woman. I know for a fact. When Paul was fleeced by Karina, she was using the name Alana. With his marriage on the rocks, Paul turned to a clairvoyant he saw advertised in his local newspaper. It began with a $60 card reading. And she said, when I, when I go home, you'll probably find that a few light globes will blow. So when I came back here, I found it, funny enough, the down, the downlight, one of the downlights blew straight away and one up and upstairs blew. 
Paul was now hooked, and Alana reeled him in slowly. Oh, she told, told me that I had a curse put on by someone in the family. The good news for Paul was she could help, and a price. First, there was the rock in a glass of salty water, $1,000. To remove a curse on the family dog, $700. Droplets of liquid around the boundary of the house, $900. The cash continued to flow. Finally, she orchestrated a special ceremony involving a bath. The water bottled and sent overseas for prayer by a psychic higher order. But cleansing the soul doesn't come cheap. $18,000 in cash. And how many times did you do that? Oh, a few times, probably about three or four times. All right, well, I have to step in here and say that while this is a terrible story, at some point, you have to look at this dude and be like, what the hell were you doing spending $18,000 on anything like this? And to do it more than once? What the hell's wrong with you? I mean, really. Story goes on that they confront this woman and they say, are you Alana, Karina, Ebaduda? Notice how I, my psychic was Alima. Well, they all have these names like Miss Cleo, who, by the way, uh, went bankrupt, was sued was a total fraud and recently died. God rest her soul. Um, so that's my story, folks. I mean, I really would love to believe in this stuff, and I, I want, I hopefully, I really hope someone can prove me wrong. James Randi, uh, he actually used to offer a million-dollar challenge if, if a psychic could come in and do his, you know, basically test, which was not like you'd think. It wasn't asking very pointed, very specific questions. He wanted to basically give 10 people who were very much believers in psychics, have 10 people get readings. And then afterwards, he was going to take those readings, trans have them transcribed, mix them up, hand them out, and see if anyone could tell the difference. Something like that. That was the challenge. That doesn't sound too unreasonable. Not to me. Nobody would ever do it. Nobody. And Sylvia Brown, when cornered on the Larry King live show, she said, yeah, sure, I'll do it. I don't even want to know their gender. Okay, who asked? Who said anything about their gender? But she accepted the challenge, and then that was the last she ever heard, or the last James Randi ever heard from her. And when asked about it by other people, she would say, "Well, I didn't know how to contact him. Hold the goddamn phone." Here's a woman who says she can talk to the dead. Says she knows where people who have been murdered. She knows where their bodies are located. But she couldn't find the phone number of someone who is alive and listed in the goddamn phone book. So that's, that's, that's that. And this is Sylvia Brown, someone who is considered to be one of the best psychics in the world. Well, I'm not really buying the bullshit, I'm afraid. And if anyone can prove me wrong, please do. If you have had a better psychic experience, if you think I am wrong and you can tell me maybe why, well, please, again, I'm dying to hear it. You can call us, 718-928-9732. You can tweet at us at Next Best Radio. You can write it on our Facebook wall, facebook.com slash nbtradio. You can email us. We are at nextbestthing at radiofreebrooklyn.org. But most importantly, go to our show page, rfb.nyc slash nbt, and donate some money because... We could really use it. Again, that's rfb.nyc slash nbt. Folks, we're just about out of time for this week, for this night, but some quick announcements. We have some really exciting shows coming up. Uh, next week, I'm really excited about this. Next week, uh, someone is going to call in who is no stranger to radio. Oh, no, not at all. early Sunday. It is a four-hour edition of JJ After Dark. That's right. Chance is transferred with you right here on the fan 877. All right, you get the point. John Jastrzemski, host of JJ After Dark on WFAN, The Fan, uh, 101.9 FM and whatnot. He is he hosts one of the great, probably one of the best, most inclusive talk shows here in the New York City area, and he is so graciously agreed to call in to our little dog and pony show right here on Radio Free Brooklyn next week. So do not miss that. I think it's going to be a cool opportunity to get to know him a little bit. 
one thing about John Jastrzemski that I've noticed is that for as much as he knows about sports and as talkative as he is about anything related to the NFL, NBA, MLB, and whatnot, he doesn't really reveal much about himself. So we're going to crack the surface a little bit. We're going to get to know JJ after dark. All right, so look forward to that. That's next week on Memorial Day. We also have a great interview with Charles Bush, Tony Award-nominated playwright, a screenwriter, actor, performer. He and I are going to get together for a conversation soon, and that will air on June 12th, I believe. And we also have a young millennial, or millennial, we have a Republican, someone who actually used to work for the Republican, I think, Party of New York or something like that, who's going to be coming in and talking with me, someone I know well, a very pragmatic guy, and we're going to talk about what the hell is going on, why and how the hell he is still considering himself a Republican, and other things along those lines, what he sees for his party going forward. By the way, he did quit his job working for the party once Donald Trump won the nomination. So we have all that coming up and more, and so don't miss any of it. And before I leave you tonight, I'll say what I always say. Remember more than anything, apathy is the enemy. Apathy is the enemy. Educate yourself, read, watch the news, have an opinion, care, and then take some action. For Radio Free Brooklyn, this has been The Next Best Thing. I'm Jonathan B. Lerner. Good night, folks. J'ai vu New York, New York, USA J'ai vu New York, New York, USA J'ai jamais rien vu d'eau J'ai jamais rien vu d'aussi haut C'est haut, c'est haut New York, New York, USA J'ai vu New York, New York, USA J'ai vu New York New York USA, j'ai jamais rien vu d'eau, j'ai jamais rien vu d'aussi haut, c'est haut, c'est haut New York, New York USA, fast it building, Rockefeller Center, International Building, Waldorf Astoria, Pan American Building, Bank of Manhattan Citibank RFB.NYC slash NBT